Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Hempin' Outside the Box podcast. We have a great show in store for you guys today. Um, we've got a couple of co-hosts as well. Um, we're going to have Jordan Astro on, or Astro again, on again, um, as well today as as well as Dr. Eric Mitchell. Um, 
just waiting for Mr. <coughs> Mr. Mitchell to get in, and then we will um, go ahead and get rolling on all that. Today, our episode's <coughs> contents is going to be about the new study um, that was released this week on CBD and COVID-19 um, as cannabis compounds are being proven to or, uh, inhibit the COVID-19 um, infections um, and not allow them to enter human cells. So we're going to really dig into that today, kind of go over some of that article, get some of the science behind it with Mr. Uh, with Mr. Mitchell as well as Jordan. He knows a lot about kind of what's going on there as well. And we'll kind of dig into that. So that's going to kind of be our show. Um, we'll be here with you guys for about an hour and we will get, get rolling here. So um, I'm going to go ahead and let everybody introduce themselves. Um, if you haven't already met them or you haven't heard of us before um, or you're new to our show, um, we'll go ahead and get started. So Chance uh, is our <clears throat> Chief Risk and Strategy Officer at Primo. I'm going to go ahead and let him introduce himself. Hey guys, what's up? Chief Risk Officer for Primo. You guys obviously know who day. Bengals are about to take them Raiders tonight. Just got that in there. <laughs> well, it sure looks like they are right now. They got a nice little 10-point lead headed into the fourth here. So we'll see what happens. Go Bengals. Um, I'm just trying to get uh, Dr. Uh, Eric Mitchell in. So just give me a second. It looked like he had requested to speak, but. For some reason, he's not popping up in here. So let me just try to fix that real quick. And then we will uh, continue to, to move forward here. Yeah, um, just, in the meantime, just, Jordan. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Mike. Um, appreciate you having me back on here. I, I went ahead and just texted the doctor. Uh, he should be on to speak about these articles soon. Um, and for those of you that don't know me, my name is Jordan Askew. I'm the president of Phytoverse Inc., which is a, um, a metaverse company that we're launching. And uh, I'll pass it back to Mike. I'll wait for the doctor to join. Awesome. Awesome. So, yeah, we're just waiting on him to join in. And, I mean, we can honestly just get started. As he gets in, he can kind of jump in with us. Um, so pretty big news out of Oregon State University on Monday. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, dropping this new article. They've been doing some research uh, since I believe it was March of 2021. Um, and they're basically, their conclusion was, is that um, cannabinoids, certain cannabinoids, CBDA and CBGA, to be specific at this point in the, in the study, are blocking cellular entry of SARS-CoV-19 in, into, uh, into our human cells and emergent variants. Um, it's pretty interesting. Uh, it was a very interesting article. Um, I've read through multiple different versions of it. Um, and the science behind it is pretty crazy. Obviously, I don't really know much about the the medical portion of this, and that's why we have our um, awesome guest, Dr. Eric Mitchell, here to kind of help us understand and get through that. And he's actually just jumped in, so we're going to go ahead and let Dr. Eric Mitchell um, introduce himself, and we also wanted to say thank you for coming on today. Doc, there's a, um, this is first time using Clubhouse, there's a uh, microphone 
symbol at the bottom right of your screen. And if you'll touch that, that will, yeah. There we go. All right. This is new new to me but, and, and because I'm old. And, um, thank you very much, Mike, um, for, and I'm going to give a special thanks to Jordan. Um, the endocannabinoid system, this is all about the endocannabinoid system and the news out of Oregon, uh, and it was a pharmacological study, uh, is exciting because they're looking at the um, the spike proteins on the on the um, coronavirus, better known as COVID-19. And these spike proteins um, basically attack to the ACE receptors in our body. And what the research has said is that they, they got a roadblock. And the roadblock are the acid forms of the cannabinoids. When I say the acid form, the acid form is is the OH group is positioned on the on the neutral that makes it an acid. And the basic phytocannabinoid in uh, in cannabis sativa L, the plant, better known as cannabis, is CBGA. And that A is the acid form. And it is the mother, it is the mother load. It is the stem cell that THCA. CBDA and CBDA are your three largest principal cannabinoids. I want to make sure that that's clear because acid form, the CBGA, tends to block one of those spike proteins where the protein can't embed into the ACE receptors that carry this infection to the next level. So it's so, and now the other acid form is CBDA. Now everybody, and that CBD ran into the ran into the Coliseum and was the big hero when we started signing the the Farm Bill of 2018, where hemp was legal again for the first time in 85 years, or at least not incarcerated for the first time in 85 years. 1937 Marijuana Tax Act took farmers out of the business. And then President Nixon sealed it with the Controlled Substances Act of 1970 that made cannabis and the whole plant species a federal crime. It's, right. like, it's like taking the apple tree and because it could make you know, uh, cider to make it totally illegal. All of the the apple crisp, the the red apples, the Macintosh. So that's what happened to uh, to cannabis. Right, right. Very interesting, right? And just so people understand, too, uh, what the doctor's talking about with CBGA and CBDA, um, you also have THCA and multiple different acids. And CBG, like like uh, Mr. Mitchell was saying, is, a, is the stem cell of cannabis. It's, it's the first cannabinoid produced um during the growing process and when you extract cannabis um and you extract all of the different cannabinoids those cannabinoids come out in their acid forms in the crude oil now once they're decarbolate or decarb decarbed basically that's when we are going through the chemical process of converting the acids to the actual cannabinoid um and activating it basically just wanted to touch on that real quick it's the neutral. It's the neutral form. Correct. Because you can go take it to a base. You have acid, neutral, and base. And we have we have we live in a in a 
a pH world. And right. That pH gets too high in our body, we have a problem. If it gets too low in our body, it's a problem. So, so we have these these basic forms now. Raphael Mashula, the Dr. Mashula from Israel in 2019, uh, was talking about us not forgetting. Don't let it take 30 years, because Dr. Mashula in 1963-64 encapsulated THC and CBD, mm-hmm. and it's 30 years. It's 30 years from 1963 to 1992 for the endocannabinoid system to be formulated. Okay, a lot of things happened over that 30 years now because we identified that we had two endogenous, two cannabinoids that we make in our body, known as an anamide, and the other one is 2-AG because it's too long to pronounce, so we've shortened it to 2-AG. And once that was discovered, then it was discovered that we have these receptors, these receptor sites known as CB1 and CB2 receptors. So that took from 1990 all the way up through 1995. These were these discoveries. But you have to understand that people had their hands behind their backs because there were three or I think four Supreme Court um, decisions that physicians could not study. The cancer, because only the University of Mississippi through the Controlled Substances Act was allowed to do any research in cannabis from 1970 up until 2018. I didn't even know that. That's pretty interesting. It's 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 a fact and, and that's why the the genie's out of the out of the out of the bottle now. I mean, there these research projects are, are are going at at a super fast pace. Um, when you have the alcohol industry put in 3.2 billion dollars Okay, uh, that happened a couple of years ago, and because Colorado lost twenty five percent of their uh, liquor sales, there there's going to be a different assault on the on the ca- cannabis market. Uh, when Epidiolex, when the FDA approved the very first drug, okay, or first allowance to use a CBD derivative, okay, and they gave it to to a, to a company across the pond in Great Britain which I think is just so oxymoronic, okay? Right, right. And now that's holding us up really, really bad. But this research is coming out every day. No, it cannot necessarily, you know, we don't want to make any medical claims. We're only talking here tonight about a research study that came out of, of Oregon State. Right. And the good thing about that study is, is this is one of the first major studies that, um, was done with a government-backed funding, right? Is, am I correct there? Yes. Well, the, I'm not sure whether it was government funding or private funding because in the last lines of the, of the article, they talk about the fact that licorice also has some of these characteristics, but they said it would take right. another. So I'm not sure who sponsored who sponsored that. I didn't catch that uh, as much as the the... Um, the federal government, I, I doubt if the federal government um, is probably another entity, but, you know, NIH is going to be looking, um, and let me give you just a little teeny bit of history I think that people will find interesting, that in 1999, okay, NIH did a study with four physicians, four doctors. One of them was a, a Nobel laureate and winner, 
of a Nobel piece of Nobel Prize in Medicine. And they basically found three things. They found that CBD was neuroproliferative, neuro brain proliferative make, make new brain cells. Right. Secondly, it was neuroprotective. It helped to protect, to guard against. And some new study, another study came out of Tufts University last week, two weeks ago, and talks about glioblastoma, one of the most deadly brain tumors going. And now we see that CBD can block the IDO, one of the receptors. Okay, now you have to understand that we artificially took hemp out of our ethros, okay, for, you know, for those 85 years. Now, only two years did we did we break that cycle, and that was in 1943 to 1945, because we could not launch our ships because we had no hemp and we couldn't make rope and we couldn't launch the ships in the war effort because the Philippines was where we got all of our hemp from and they were being occupied by the Japanese at that time. Okay. So, so that's another little tidbit that, that, that again was obstructional and, and obstructive and, and us doing research. But the research is, is abundant now. It's coming out left and right. So yeah, I, I, I actually heard that. Go ahead, Chance. I was just going to jump in there real fast and say it is uh, very interesting how politics um, has played a very important role in the hemp and CBD industry. Um, you know, the first American flag was made out of hemp. The sales that came over here and found this country were out of hemp. So um, we need to get back to that. And it's very interesting that you make that point. Well, 8,000 years is a long time. And it was really the British physicians in, that went to India and, and that found the medicinal uses, uses, uses of hemp. And it was part of the United States pharmacopoeia. The pharmacopoeia is a listing of all the drugs that are in, in our uh, medicine cabinet, so to speak. And cannabis was put there in, 19, in 1827. 1827 to 1940. In 1940, cannabis was pulled out of the pharmacopoeia politicalization because when they passed the Marijuana Tax Act in 1937, it was done on August the 1st at midnight. At midnight on August the 1st, they passed this, and and, him, and Harry Anslinger told a big lie. Harry Anslinger was the very first uh, narcotic czar. And, uh, you know, the, the, the prohibition had been, had been pulled back, and so they didn't have any more speakeasies to break, to break into. And they needed something new, and they made this a... a, a Immigration Act and and one of discrimination. So right. that's marijuana is a made up word. So I try to use the word cannabis, medical cannabis, or and um, and that's really tells us that the THC. Now the THCV is another form that that is uh, believes to have some effect on the blockage of of this uh, to the to the um, the ACE receptors where it covers that protein so so there's so the minor cannabinoids are going to rise up 
okay? And THC is going to always have its place, but you have to understand that THC has a 200-year, you know, jump on us. Right. And it's been and it's been obviously researched a lot more in the last, say, 10 to 20 years than any of the other cannabinoids have been as well. Correct, Mike. Correct. You know, the other thing is, too, is that I keep seeing, you know, we keep seeing a new cannabinoid being discovered almost every week, it seems like, at this point. Um, you know, we've got HHC coming out, D8, D10, THCO, THCV, um, just so many different versions of cannabinoids being discovered or rediscovered. Um, and you know, who's to say that we don't, we don't really know what all of those are going to be able to do. You know, when we look at it right now, I think we know a lot, we know a good amount about like maybe four or five cannabinoids. Um, and we don't have very much research on on the rest of them. And what we're finding in just these first four or five, like CBGA, CBDA, THCA, just CBG in general, CBD and THC alone, um, is remarkable um, of what we've been able to find out with just those cannabinoids. Imagine what's going to happen 10 years down the line when we get to get that research in on all of them um, and what they really can do. Uh, and then what they can do as a collective as well. And don't forget about a don't forget about a byproduct or a degraded form of THC. The degraded form of THC is known as CBN. Correct. Okay, and so uh, they also believe in that study. In the study that came out of Oregon, is that you know it's the it's these the minor ones because what makes it major was what you've just said, and that is all the research that has uh, or the the foreknowledge. Because, you know, that that has and a lot of this has been unexplained. And uh, that's why I was just talking to one of one of my customers and and she she basically um, was, was saying, well, I'm not sure about this CBD. And that's where doctors are not informed. Doctors are not doctors are not educated. When the Farm Bill of 2018 was passed on December the 20th of 2018, 87% of allopathic medical schools, that means doctors that have an MD like me, were not, those schools did not have a, a uh, department of endocannabinoid physiology, and they did not teach the endocannabinoid system. That's the criminal part, because oh, where, sure. where are people getting their information? <laughs> right. It's not, it's not from the physicians, because the physicians... If they didn't learn it in medical school, then they want a double-blind, golden standard, okay, peer review, um, you know, documentation that right. that ain't always ain't easy to get, or at least it costs a lot of money to get it. You know, and there's another uh, just on that same point. Um, if you uh, go on to YouTube and you look up a TED Talk by Rachel Cox, she actually goes into this exact same subject very deeply. Um, she talks about how she got into medicine, you know, obviously to heal people and to, you know, obviously just basically any other reason you'd get into the medical field to help, to help people out. Well, she said that she was in the medical field, got through med school. And after she got through everything and, and became an MD, she realized that medicine wasn't about healing people. Medicine was about money and it was about getting paid really. And she ended up walking away from that game to dig into holistic healing and CBD and cannabis or cannabis in general. And uh, she talks about how you know cannabis isn't even in the in, in the books. It's it's not something they teach doctors. It's not something that's been taught at all. 
well, about 40 years. Well, the medical schools would, would be in a, in a precarious situation because of the illegality that Nixon made it. He made it a, a Schedule One drug that said it had no medicinal purposes. Okay, right. and, and the 1999 physicians, okay, that, that basically the, the third thing they, they had in their repertoire of, of, of this trifecta was an anti-inflammatory agent. And so neuroprotective, neuroproliferative, and anti-inflammatory. And they went to their mother agency, which is known as Health and Human Services. And in, 19, in 2003, in 2003, you know, there was a, there was, there was a, a patent that was given, okay, um, for, for that purpose. And so that was oxymoronic and contradictory, okay, um, because they said it had no medical purpose. And here's a, here's a patent that's been held uh, since 2003 by the Department of Health and Human Services showing the, the medicinal uh, components uh, of, um, of CBD. So, so that, that's happened right, right in front of our faces. Yeah, right, it's amazing. Right. It's amazing. I, uh, th- and that's not the only thing. It's funny, you know, since we started doing this podca- podcast and you look back at all the conversations we've had, um, politics almost plays a part in every conversation. Yeah, mm-hmm. unfortunately it does. And it seems and it like sad. it is sad. There's, there is the, what is happening and what has happened with hemp and cannabis in general. Um, it's just the start of, it's just the start of, of, of a lot of things that you, money is the root to all evil. We'll just put it at that. <laughs> well, it's what you do with the money is is the evil. Okay, <laughs> right, there you go. <laughs> yes, that is very true. Um, yeah, so it's just yeah, and really, I mean, that's kind of how prohibition of cannabis started. Just like you know, uh, Doctor Mitchell was saying is, you know, it all came down to one guy who was getting into the big pharma game and had all these pills and didn't want nothing to do with cannabis really just disrupting his payday and they wanted it figured out. So they went to the, they went to Congress, they lobbied it, they got it, they got it, you know, um, turned into a schedule one drug and it all worked out perfectly for big pharma. Well, but let's see why, because when I've heard, I've heard Dr. Gray's, um, you know, Ted talk, I've heard the Ted talk and, and uh, I feel somewhat very similar and that's why I gave my narcotic license up. Once I finished my surgical career, I, I surrendered my narcotic license for two purposes. Number one is created 100,000 deaths this year in the United States of America. Last year, in 2021, it, it created 100,000 deaths. Now, you know, 23 years in the military and coming, coming up through the Vietnam era, we lost 59,000 soldiers in 10 years in Vietnam. And we lost 100,000 last year in the United States. Now, I, I say that just to kind of put things in perspective. We were in, in, in Afghanistan for 20 years, and we lost 2,114, you know, um, souls. And we lost 100,000 people last year in the United States, secondary to opioids and, and drug overdoses. So yeah, They lost their life to trying to be healthy and trying to be better and trying to be safe and trying to get out of pain. And they lost their life because they became addicted. And seventy-eight percent of that addiction usually starts in the doctor's office, and and that's and that's where we have to address this. But you have to understand that um, that basically it's the pharmaceutical companies that have more than not written the the textbooks. 
Right. And and they're not going to not not going to do a a, a self damaging, you know, phenomenon. They're going to perpetuate, uh, you know, it, the the model that they have to take a pill for this, and take a pill for that, and that's that's the that's who they that's that's what what they know how to lead the sheep. They have the media and they know what to do and they lead the sheep and there's a lot of sheep in this world and that's what it comes down to. You know, the thing that I think that hurts us the most in it is, is that, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a two way street, right? When you have somebody come in and say, man, I'm in so much pain and they're really in pain. And then a doctor says, okay, here, well, I'm going to give you this pill and it's going to help you out. Well, they're happy, but then they realize that that pill only works for three hours and then they're right back in pain while they get through that bottle of pain. They go back to their doctor and they're like, hey, man, well, I need some more pills. And they continue to continue to fill these pills, continue to fill these pills. And then it turns into an addiction. Then they can't operate without that pill. Um, their body's in more pain than it was without it. And so then they're running back to the doctors and the doctors are not putting a stop to it. Saying, hey, well, you're, you know, you're not, now we're taking too much of this medication. Maybe we need to try something different. But they're never going to turn you away from giving away those pills that cost so much, right? It's just like he said, at the end of the day, it comes down to money. And, you know, it's just like they always say, if there was a cure for cancer, you'd never know about it. it cost, it'll, it'll cost Big Pharma too much money. And so that's the that's the scary part of it and the, the reality at the same time. But here's what that's we have to do. Time. Let's talk about what we have to do because that's history. And that was yesterday. What? How are we going to forge tomorrow? Each person on this call and what you're doing, Mike, is is educating the public, and, and that's what that's my major, major, major objective, is educate physicians. Just because I have 50 years, you know, in into the uh, into the industry, and I think I understand physicians, you know, and their reluctance uh, to um, to accept, you know, new concepts or concepts that have been ostracized, vilified, and criminalized over the course. And you have to understand that, you know, um, from the military standpoint, we couldn't even, you know, I mean, you didn't even want to go into a room where, where maybe, you know, there was some films because if you got, because we got tested on a regular basis and it would blow your whole career. Um, and doctors would lose their license if they, if they um, experimented or worked with cannabis. So these constraints have certainly uh, been, um, been tortuous, but now, like I said, the genie's out of the bottle. And so, what we have to do is keep doing these um, these um, um, podcasts and keep educating the the, the masses, and, and so that um, that they can um, and 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 to tell the truth. And that's what the pharmaceutical companies have failed to do. They've failed to tell the truth, whether it be Celebrex, that was a drug that came out that they didn't talk, didn't they had the information, but they had it, they hid it in their file cabinets, that they had that there was there was a, a negative component for people with coron with coronary disease, <coughs> and, and and so it was subsequently um, no, it was Vioxx, it was Vioxx that was pulled off the market because of that, and then Celebrex came to be, but. You know, it's the public that will that will dictate this. So you have to keep out, and you're doing a great job, and with a with a modern technology technological component called Clubhouse. This is I've done it once before, but I just went on and touched the button, and and uh, so it was a little bit stumbling tonight. And thank you, uh, Jordan, for walking me through. No, for sure. 
and, and, you know, Jordan's actually been a little quiet there for men. We're going to get him into the combo too. But, you know, the one thing I was, uh, the one thing I was just going to touch on that with the same, what you were just saying is, is that, you know, with the, doc the doctors not being able to, like you said, they, they didn't have the ability to say, hey, well, you know what? I would really recommend you go another route and then fall back on them. Because some of these doctors, I truly believe that they believed in the holistic killing, but they had that, like you said, they had their, they had the handcuffs on and they, they weren't able to, 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 to educate the population. But now that we see the population finding out about it, you know, and like you said, the cat is out of the bag, this movement from cannabis going all the way back to Charlotte, Fiji and the whole seizures and, and Charlotte's web and, and that really being like the groundbreaking the, the groundbreaking evidence to, to really make us rethink our stance as a, as a country on this particular subject. Um, I think it's a movement you can't stop now. Um, I believe that this cannabis movement um, is full going and it's, it's a train that just can't be stopped at this point. It's just a matter of time. How long is it going to take for us to get all of this information? I mean, Israel's been at it for what, 30 years? No, no, 60 years. 1930. 60 years? Yeah, I mean, 1963, Dr. Mashula started, but it was really Dr. Swan at the University of Northern Illinois that in 1942, he basically, but he didn't know what he had. Uh, and it took uh, 20 years later for Mashula to, to look at it, but then it took the world 30 years until 19, 1992 to really formulate um, the, the the system as we as, as it's being explained today, um, we're finding new things every day. I've just done uh, two national talks on uh, CB2 receptors in bone, right? And how, and how I um, you know as an orthopedic surgeon, that's what that's what I I did bone stimulation uh, all the way back in 1975. And um, now I've, I've got another another tool that we can use because osteoporosis will be one of the major um, public health problems for the 21st century. We'll probably do about 9 million osteoporotic fractures this year of the hands, the wrists, the the um, the, the, the back, the, the lumbar spine, and in particular, the hip. Right, right. So have you um, have you heard? I just I want to ask a question to you. Uh, do you have have you heard about the study? Um, there's a study that's going on right now. I forget which company's doing it. They're a pretty big company. They just uh, I believe they just bought out some. I can't remember what it was. They just bought out some bio bio available or bioavailability group or something like that. That's doing uh, cannabis and cannabis research on bowel. On bowel movement or something like that, or bowel cancer, or something along those lines. Well, well, well gastrointestinal, gastrointestinal. I mean, you know, when I first started giving out certificates over ten years ago, Maine has had an alternative, compassionate um, program since 1999. It was California uh, through Proposition 215 and Dr. Micaria that basically got the compassionate. Um, cannabis program going in 1996 in California. And then 97 uh, was Oregon, 98 was Washington State, and 1999 was was uh, Maine and Alaska. So in, in my sojourn, in my last 10 year sojourn, I've been giving out certificates and that's has, you know, trying to reduce the opioid 
components. I had, you know, military guys. I had plain people with cancer. They were trying to uh, get off of the uh, opioids. And, and I found it so effective that I said, I got I to gotta understand this more. So that's why I went from orthopedic surgeon to a hemp farmer and, uh, and went and planted, uh, you know, went and got, went to Oregon, got seeds, certified seeds, came back, grew the hemp, okay, harvest the hemp, buck the hemp, okay, process the hemp, and then I went through the formulation and through distil- through the distillation process. The distillation process has changed dramatically since we started um, this, this evolution. And oh, yeah. We went from a small little short path distillation to now we use white film distillation. We do a lot of things, a lot more high-end, a lot more high-tech, a lot more efficient. Um, yeah, and 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 we 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 moved away from the from the um, from the hydrocarbons, okay, because because of the byproduct that they leave behind. People because of the expense of alcohol, many people have tried to use something called heptane, which is poison, and it has to be totally extracted, or otherwise we will put things at risk. And that's the other thing that we have to teach our population is where do you get your product. Where you get your product is very, 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 very important. Why? Because hemp is the most sequestrating plant known to man. When I say sequestration, it means it pulls anything that's in the soil, it'll pull out of the soil. Whether it be heavy metals, whether it be arsenic, whether it be the, you know, um, the insecticides, the pesticides, you know, that that are laden uh, on our farmland, like unbelievable. If you want to read, read about the, you know, glyphosate. And, right. and Roundup, okay, and how much they spray that stuff, you know, hundreds of thousands of tons of glyphosate on our crop that has gone down the Mississippi and now has a dead zone in the Gulf of Mexico the size of New Jersey. Well, yeah, you have we have a lot of window farmers. That's being in the Midwest, that's where I'm from, and, I mean, that's how they farm. That's what they've known. They want to get the best yield that they can and, and do it the easiest way possible. Yep. Well, and hemp's not that way. And that's one thing I think a lot of farmers learned in 2019, 2020, hell, even 2021. And there'll be a lot that learned it this year, too. Yeah. Um, and we're fighting. We're not only fighting the fight of um, getting these farmers educated on the type of work that goes into it. Um, but again, it goes back to the big pharma. We're going to be fighting them. It, it, and and money that's going to come back to the money it, we're so early and it's crazy that um it's crazy that it's taken this that it, it that it, there's been a war on drugs and hemp has been put into this war on drugs and it's taken this long to get back to where we were before um it gets me pretty excited for the industry but it's uh it also shows how much of a fight we have ahead of, we have in front of us right and hopefully not too long right i thought i'd jump in here i was being a little quiet because felt like i had talked most of the time last episode so <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted it to be big brain time you know dr mitchell is one of the i mean if i had to pick somebody to, to talk about this it would be him i mean he's a hemp farmer research scientist he's been studying the crap out of cannabinoids for a very long time since 2018 uh, and, and obviously knows his stuff um as, as far as like the hemp industry is concerned on the farmer side that's where I had a lot of experience talking to farmers when we made, uh, I did want to correct something too. Last episode, I said I had made 40,000 calls. That was incorrect. My team 
together, we made 40,000 calls over the 2019 um, season. And we spoke to pretty much any single person or emailed any person who would respond to us that had a license. And so we've been very close with our ear to the ground on the struggle that these farmers have been going through, whether it be seed stock, going hot, um, you know, trying post-harvest processing and dealing with mold, things like that. And then the biggest issue of all is no market or a very haphazard, unstable piecemeal market where they couldn't get their stuff sold. So it, it's, it's a very interesting time right now to see all of this coming to a head. And then we have the legalization front coming up ahead as well. Uh, and then, you know, when you look at the hemp industry, uh, it typically follows a, a very aggressive short-term cycle. So you'll see an up year, down year, an up year, down year. People make money. People don't make money. Everybody gets shaken out. The ones that stay behind will make money the next year. And then that's just the continual progression that we've seen so far. It's very interesting to see where this all goes, but I think it's headed in a positive direction. And if we can continue the discussions and spread the awareness as we're doing right now, um, it's just there's only one result that I think we're going to see. And that's going to be a stronger hemp industry at some point. No, for sure. It's very interesting that you know, we passed this 2018 farm bill and we didn't pass it with a federally subsidized crop insurance program. Um, yeah, yeah you that's a whole other story. You can't put these farmers in the position that we have put them in and not have a federally subsidized program. And, and, and that's a whole other topic, like Mike was saying, that we could get into. Um, but I just wanted to make that point because I'm an insurance guy and um, – I'm fighting these carriers every day as an independent agent. I have a lot of, that's my bread and butter is crop insurance, but we do a lot of, obviously farm or full service. Um, but it, 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 it amazes me that we passed the 2018 farm bill and we called a farm bill and we didn't put a federally subsidized program in place before we did it. Right. And we talked about this last week, how we noticed that the farm bill, the, the farm bill was rushed. Um, Again, it wasn't a bad thing because it did help open up the doors, right? But at the end of the day, it's also put a lot of people and big money investors, people who have spent a lot of money on trying to jump into an industry they knew nothing about in a really bad place. Um, but then again, that's also just business ethics, right? I mean, if you're going to jump into something, you should probably have a solid plan, um, which a lot of people didn't. They, they looked at it like the new Twitter and you know wanted to get in, get rich quick. And some of the guys that did get in in 2018, 2019 got rich quick. Um, there was... Um, that ability for about nine to 10 months where there was ridiculous amounts of money flowing through this industry. Now, the, the, the new farm bill is being conjured right now. And, yes. uh, it, it, and now it's because it's been three years and they have to have a bill probably by the end of this year to go into the next year. Right. And I, I will say that they are probably going, there's been a big loophole they left. And that says that you can't do anything with Delta 9, tetrahydrocannabinoid. Right. And and so what they the scientists have done, the labs have done is they've moved it to the OH group to the eighth position and is better known as Delta eight. Now, they've also done the same thing and moved it to the 10th position um, in a stereotactic fashion. And um, and there, there's a big up, upheaval because nobody knows if they are deleterious. I mean, these are chemical modifications of a natural product. Yeah, um, synthetic cannabinoids. Right, exactly. And nobody knows, I mean, the word synthetic, I mean, is, is still originally the same stuff, but they moved moved the, the OH group. And I believe that they'll, they'll try to, they'll ban that in the new, new, in the next farm bill. 
they'll say no derivatives of Delta nine. I'm, I'm, I don't know that for sure, but I put my money that they're going to do that because um, they that takes their control. I mean, they want to control this right. uh, as much as they can, and and they they've lost control of it right now through Delta eight and Delta ten. Yeah, and we've noticed that too. And I mean, we've I've talked about it a lot. It's one of the products that I haven't even really messed with. Um, you know, we've we, we pretty much manufacture just about any CBD product you can think of, but um, we have we have really stayed away from the the synthetics D eight D ten AKC, um, and the reason why is one hundred percent strictly because it's synthetic, right? D eight's not produced enough in the plant for it to be extracted in in actually at scale. It's so little amount inside the actual plant itself. Same thing with D ten, um, THCV, um, HHC. And so what we're seeing with specifically HHC and D8 is all they're doing is taking CBD isolate, suspending it in heptane, like we talked about, converting it into another cannabinoid and then vacuum cooking it. It's really a simple process. The problem is, is that it's synthetic. And we still don't know what the ramifications from that could be later on down the line because we don't have any testing on that. Precisely. precisely. I mean, it's per precisely. And, and we just don't know what we don't know. So, so that's the, that's the situational circumstance at hand. Right. Awesome. So one other thing I wanted to touch on, um, we still got a few minutes here, so I wanted to touch on this part of it. And so when we dig into this report here and into this study, um, one thing that they are saying is that according to what they're saying is that normal cannabis stores or your average CBD store is not carrying a product that's potent enough um, to actually do what they're saying it does by stopping the COVID-19 infections. Um, what do you see on that side, Mr. Mitchell? And what do you think a correct dosing would be based on, based on what they're saying? Because it does seem like it's pretty heavy. Well, you know, you know the 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 uh, whole the whole aspect with the um, with the anti seizure medicines, it's a, they're very 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 high concentrations. Um, for, 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 so, right? For epidiolex, very high concentrations. And don't forget where we started. We started with the unknown, and uh, we started you know with with believe, believing that ten milligrams, and we could get tinctures that were two hundred and fifty milligrams. From the from the convenience store, they had about seven milligrams per day in um, in it, and then right. it went to five hundred, and then it went to a thousand, and now you know, we have normally fifteen hundred to three thousand, uh, but that gets you fifty to seventy five milligrams a day. So I, I don't know where you know where the titratable component is, what they're talking about, um, but. What we have to do is is do more study. A lot more studies are going to be necessary in order to see where the where the tolerance is, and uh, what percent of um, of or what the concentrational component needs needs to be, and the delivery system and the best delivery system to do that. They said that you could even in the article they said you could even take it orally, that it would it would be beneficial, and we know that. When we take things orally, the the, the, liver, the bioavailability falls to hell in a handbasket. Right. And 
and um, and then the stomach, the, the liver tears up the rest of it because that's the job of the liver. And that's why, you know, I believe that sublingual, okay, or um, or inhalational is, uh, are probably the, the best as far as getting into the arterial system and or uh, or even secondarily, uh, there's a there's a, a clause known as the first pass effect, and anytime you can get the, the, do the first pass effect, you're bypassing the liver, and if you can bypass that, you're going to have a greater degree of bioavailability, or an, an uptake. And the other aspect is nano emulsification or nano nanoing, the products that can also increase your availability. Uh, statistically, because you're taking the the size of the product, the size of the molecule, and reducing it, putting it into suspension um, uh, by a factor of four. So you could go from 20% bioavailability up to 80% if you're using nanotechnology. Okay, yeah. So I'm just reading through this article here, and I'm going to read this off real quick to you, and you can tell me what you think on it. But it says, our affection and in inhibition assays results clearly indicate that CBDA and CBGA are both able to block cell entry by SARS-CoV-19 or SARS-CoV-2. Um, the concentration needed to block infections by 50% of the virus is high, but might be clinically clinically achievable. For example, CBDA administered orally to a human to human volunteers at 0.063 milligrams per kilogram showed greater bioavailability than than CBD. Uh, and produced maximum plasma concentrations of 0.21 unit metric or UM. I, I would have to. I would have to look. It, it depends on body mass. It depends on, on you know what percent of the concentration did they really use. Um, you know, I mean, any of you online have ever done any distillation, you know that you're going to get a different concentrational component. Um, one of the biggest problems I had three years ago was trying to standardize. Um, doing doing mice mice studies um, in a research center, trying to um, determine um, you know, the the efficacy for osteoporosis and um, getting pharmaceutical grade um, CBD. It, it, there's, there's theoretically no such thing because you know every you know the batches can can vary very very much so depending on the the um, the hybrid that you're using and the like. So I, I can't make a whole lot of that. That's their data. And well, and I was, right. And I was going to say the same thing. I didn't mean to cut you off there. Um, I was going to say the same thing because it's not telling us, it says, you know, 0 0.063 milligrams per kilogram. So if I'm looking at that, that's just short of a 2000 milligram tincture dosage, mm -hmm. but that would be dependent on what that kilogram actually tested at. What was the CBDA potency of that particular product? And that information is not available. So again, yeah, yeah. did they do that in a 50-50 RSO syringe out of crude oil? Is that what they were using? Did they use a distillate form? Did they go to an isolate form and use 100% CBDA? Those are the questions that I don't see in here. Or I don't see answers to in here. I just see that they used a, a 63 milligram dosage with a human and it looks like they used a one milligram dosage with a dog in a beagle dog mm -hmm. yeah i mean so so we, so we understand the concentrational um percentage is, is another value piece right which is probably why they didn't put that in here so that people weren't out there trying to 
saying that their <laughs> 2,000 milligram tincture is going to cure COVID, <laughs> you know. Um, well, be careful with the word cure. Don't use the word exactly cure. Exactly right, cure. Don't okay. say cure. It, it, you, what you want to do is inhibit, inhibit it, okay? And, um, you know, that's what that's we really want to do. We, we want to retard it. Um, the ACE receptors, you know, they're, they are because because the immune system, because these this particular virus got past the, the first level of immune system and created, um, you know, the immune system to call out the cytokines. And the cytokines are your stormtroopers. And if they had just call, called in the T cells and the B cells and the lymphocytes and the monocytes, maybe that wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't have had the death rate that we had at early on. But, but because it's set there, and because it's because it's set there and um, was able to multiply and call the cytokines in, the cytokines tore the lungs apart, okay? And um, you, you might be able to, to look at a research study coming out of, of Israel where they're using inhalational CBD opposed to dexamethasone. Dexamethasone is, is a very strong steroid that, um, that Dr. Um, Holland, um, um, at the University of Pennsylvania, my, my teacher, um, he discovered uh, corticosteroids back in 1955. And um, he was uh, Dr. Joseph Lee Hollander, was the, the head of the Department of, of uh, Rheumatology at the University of Pennsylvania when I went to medical school and one of my teachers. And, um, you know, the steroids are good, bad, and ugly. Um, because of um, <clears throat> suppression of the adrenal gland and um, avascular necrosis and, and a multitude of other complications that can occur. And the dethamethasone um, was what we have, we've been using in the hospitals that we, to help to try to mitigate and decrease the, the, um, the, the cell response of, of the cytokine. And I'm probably most of you have heard about the cytokine storm that basically tears the lungs apart and um, no matter whether you're giving 100% oxygen or not, you're not going to, your alveoli are gone. They're blown to pieces because of the inflammation and the pneumonia, the ground glass appearance on the x-rays. Right, right. Okay, well, that's really good information, guys. I think we, I think we touched pretty much on a lot of, of what this article means for the, for, the cannabis, or for the cannabis industry and the hemp industry more specifically moving forward. Um, I think that if we can continue to get a lot more of this um, research done, if we can all, like we talked about, cont continue to do these podcasts, continue to try to educate not only the consumer, but the doctor as well. Um, like Dr. Mitchell was saying that um, the more we all can learn, the more we all know, the better off we'll be for the growth, especially for industry leaders like ourselves, people that are trying to, I mean, we've been in this game five, six years. We plan on being here a lot longer. And so a lot of this matters for not only our growth, but for the um, just growth for the industry in general and for the, not even just the industry, I think just for holistic healing in general and, you know, um, just the healing of, of, of humans all the way across the board and not only just humans, but pets as well. Um, it's just really interesting. And I think that, uh, I think we've got a good, a good movement going here. And I, you know, I, I, that's just kind of where I'm at with it. I, I'm real excited about it. And this article was really nice to see 
you know, a legitimate university here getting something this big done. Um, they've been doing it for about a year or a little over a year now. So um, I believe they did 97,000 test pages, patients or something along those lines, which is a pretty good trial in my opinion. Um, hey, now we just, we just need the FDA to back that. I was going to jump in here real fast. looks like somebody raised their hand. I don't know if you want to uh, click on them and maybe they didn't mean to, or maybe, maybe they had a question. Um, who was that? I'm seeing a lady, Ella Citron, Citron. Okay. I don't see the hand up now, but if you did have your hand up, um, we, I, I definitely can, uh, I wouldn't mind taking a couple questions from, yeah, me, uh, uh, anybody who is listening. I clicked invite on stage. Maybe let me. Hello everyone. Lady. How Hello. are you? Hi, hey, how are you? I'm doing great. I, I find your conversation quite enlightening, and I'm um, excited to follow you, your your journey with uh, your your company. Um, and Dr. Eric, I I really appreciate your your sentiments um, and clarification with this. I'm I'm uh, I am kind of new to the cannabis industry. I run a website called Inclusive Indica, and I've, I tr I'm traditionally focusing on the social equity inclusion side. However, it you know there's a breadth of knowledge to know about the plant and all the in-depth features and, and, and what it does. And, and I, and I strive not to spread, you know, misinformation. So I really appreciate that. Um, I'm currently doing a feature on a company that does sell CBD products and I wanted to get a better understanding of their process. And I noticed they do, you know, sonicate their CBD and for, and they just, you know, say that it's for, good absorption, but I really appreciate how you clarified how that works in the body um, for me. So it's definitely useful to be on these um, on these chats, as you say. So, yeah. Awesome. We love your feedback and um, I, we'd, we'd love for you to continue to follow us. We're, we're definitely going to be jumping into a lot of off, outside the box topics, right? When it comes to cannabis and um, awesome crypto and entrepreneurship and we want to talk a little about a little bit about everything because our business is something our whole model is outside the box we're reaching into areas that other people aren't we're trying to really dig in and educate the consumer um as, as best we can yeah and so I, i'm really happy that you're checking us out and hopefully we uh, see more of you Absolutely, and and, uh, and you know, I'll, I'll research more into what everything that you guys are doing, and I'd be happy to be supportive of your endeavors as well with my website. Um, so I, I will definitely be following you. Awesome. Yeah, you should, uh, shoot us, join our Telegram, or shoot us an email, and we can talk more after this. No problem. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Yep. All right. Well, other than that, I think we really had a good conversation today. Um, the Bengals won, so they got it done. Yeah, yeah they did. Yes. yes. They almost lost there in the last second there. They almost got it tied, but they did pull it out. So the Bengals got the W, so there you go, yes, Chance. I was, I was doing this and listening to the important information, watching the game at the same time. It's been a very eventful <laughs> night. Dr. Mitchell, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, the information that you have brought to the table has been absolutely amazing. and I'm with all you guys. The more we continue to educate and the more we continue to do this, um, <coughs> we're a movement. And we need to, the more we all work together and we do it together, uh, we can do great things. 100% agree. It's been my pleasure. 
and honestly, Dr. Uh, Eric Mitchell as well, if you have the chance, um, I'm sure we'll be doing multiple more of these podcasts and we'll definitely be digging into more science. Um, and when we do, we'd love to have you on again. I'd love to come back and visit often. Awesome. Well, let's make that happen. And uh, Jordan, again, you were a little quiet today, but we always appreciate your presence. Um, and uh, thank you again as well for coming on today. Hey, thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Uh, you can never interrupt the big brain time when it's in progress. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Looking awesome. forward to the next one. So I just want to give a shout out to everybody's company here. So obviously, um, <clears throat> um, this podcast is sponsored by Primo Gardens. If you're looking for quality CBD or fast shipping times and affordable prices, please make sure to check us out online at www.primogardensinc.com. You can use code HOTB for 15% off your next order. Also, another one of our sponsors for today is going to be, um, uh, I always mess this word up, Jordan, but I'm going to go ahead and let you say it, but Jordan's company, um, they're also jumping into the metaverse and some other things that we do as well. So I want to let him give a shout out to his company and the same thing with you, Mr. Mitchell. Yeah, thank, thank you. Um, so the company is called Phytoverse. Phyto is spelled P-H-Y-T-O. It basically is a, a Greek origin word, which means of plant or the plant. Uh, so Phytoverse is a metaverse, and it's a bunch of decentralized uh, planets, just a network of planets existing together with their own uh, decentralized autonomous organizations running them. There is a uh, flagship NFT that we'll be launching. It will be a digital access pass, which allows you some pretty cool features and functions within the verse that other people won't have. Uh, so that's coming soon. Keep, keep an eye out for that on our Twitter. Uh, that's uh, Twitter at PhytoPass, P-H-Y-T-O-P-A-S-S. And then uh, you should be able to find our link tree and you guys can get to all of our other socials from there. Uh, just try to keep up to date because we were moving pretty quickly. Our artwork's running right now and we should be launching soon. And I appreciate uh, the opportunity to be here again. So thank you. Awesome. Um, from my standpoint, um, I was a little bit audacious and named it uh, the very first vitamin of the endocannabinoid system. A vitamin is any substance that helps to accentuate uh, and increase the efficacy of one of our biological system. And the biological system of the endocannabinoid system was theoretically illegal until December the uh, 20th of 2018. And, um, and so I named um, the CBD as the very first vitamin of the endocannabinoid system. And uh, you can find us uh, on uh, daily vitamin CBD because we believe that you need to take your uh, phytocannabinoids on a daily basis. The, the, the endogenous phytocannabinoids that I talked about earlier are made um, in the body, but they're, not, they're made on demand. They're not made in storage. Uh, Dr. Dr. Uh, Ethan Russo has the most recent article out, and maybe we can discuss that at another point in time, talking about endocannabinoid deficiencies, like uh, maybe, maybe that's where fibromyalgia lies, something that people have been criticized and ostracized for a long time because they say, I heard all over. And they say, how can that be? And maybe we're not making enough, um, not getting the phytocannabinoids that we need in order to uh, substantiate uh, the, the, the supply and demand that our body calls for to keep this homeostatic regulatory neurotransmission system running at, um, at, at top speed, at, at the speed that we need it. But go to dailyvitamincbd.com 
and they look look at our products we have from tinctures to gummies to, to the whole nine yards um, that have all been third party tested, which is critically important and organic and and and, and etiology, um, because we talked about earlier about the sequestration of, uh, of of this plant pulling all the the negative things out. So you really have to be careful. And the second thing is that you want always be covered by a COA, a certificate of authenticity, because most of the time in, in the universe, my, my medical school did a study that showed that 74% of what was on the bottle was not in the bottle. Okay. And we talked about, you know, uh, concentrations, but, but, you know, 74% of those, those uh, that were tested did not have, you know, uh, what was on the bottle in the bottle. So we, we cover all, all of those things um, with uh, third party testing, which is critically important. Um, thank you very much. And uh, daily vitamin CBD. So have you had your daily vitamin CBD today to help your mental clarity and your bone health? That's our, that's our byline. Please. And thank you so much. Awesome. And we love that. And then I'm going to go ahead and let Chance give a shout out to our last, our last, um, uh, sponsor for this show, Metzger's Insurance. Thanks, Mike. I just wanted to jump in. If professional liability, product liability, crop insurance. Uh, if you guys are in this market, uh, it's probably new to a, to a lot of people that um, have been growing from industry. Well, with 2018 now, it's probably not as new, but if you're looking for it, reach out to Mexico's Insurance. You can find us online at uh, MexicanInsuranceAgency.com. Um, but yeah, we're more than happy to help. Awesome. Well, other than that, guys, I think we're going to go ahead and call it a day. Um, I really want to let you guys all know I appreciate all your time for being here with us this afternoon. And uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. And we'll see you guys all next Saturday um, at 5 o'clock. Please and thank you. Out. All right, guys. Have a good day.